Yesterday I explained the inside meditation method, method using the four primary elements. And so I choose a, a sutta discourse which deals with that, the elements, and deals with it in a very uh, detailed manner having more details than I have actually mentioned and so it is quite important to know about it because the inside methods, the methods of inside meditation are essential even if one can do the jhanas and can do them at any time one should still use methods for inside meditation in conjunction once a day, twice a day because it is essential that the experience of the jhanas is understood not just as what it is called a pleasant abiding which it certainly is but also what it means in reference to impermanence, dukkha, and callousness. So we have to use both approaches, walk on both feet, in order to gain the most effective result. This uh, sutta is called the simile of the elephant's footprint. And it starts out, it's from the Majjhima middle Lens um, collection, and starts out, as many of them do, with, Thus have I heard. That's Ananda speaking. Ananda, the um, cousin and uh, attendant of the Buddha for 25 years, who was the reciter of the suttas at the um, first council, first great council of Arahants. Thus have I heard. And as in many suttas, he says where he heard it and also sometimes uh, who was present in order for the other bhikkhus, the other monks, to be able to check him whether it's correct what he's saying. On one occasion, the Buddha was living at Savati in Jeta's Grove under Tepindika's Park. And there the Venerable Sariputta addressed the bhikkhus as friends. Friends, they replied. This is the um, traditional way of monks to call each other friend. And the Venerable Sariputta said this, Just as the footprint of any living being that walks can be placed within an elephant's footprint, and so the elephant's footprint is declared the chief of them because of its great size, so too whatever profitable dhammas there are can all be included in the Four Noble Truths. So what he is saying here is that all the teaching, the, all the profitable dhammas that we can hear are all in, contained within the Four Noble Truths, naturally with different ways of expressing. But the Four Noble Truths is the essence. And then he lists them in the noble truth of suffering, in the noble truth of the origin of suffering, unsatisfactoriness rather than suffering, in the noble truth of dukkha, in the noble truth of the origin of dukkha, in the noble truth of the cessation of dukkha, and in the noble truth of the way leading to the cessation of dukkha. And now he goes into explaining what each one is, particularly um, the, um, the first one. It doesn't go any further than the first one. And what is the noble truth of Dukkha? Birth is suffering. Aging is suffering. Death is suffering. Sorrow and lamentation, pain, grief and despair, not to get what one wants. In short, the five aggregates affected by clinging are suffering. Now, this is a traditional way of expressing dukkha. Birth, 
decay and death. God bless aging and death. And then, of course, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. Well, obviously, there is suffering. Everybody knows that. And we always think that we can get out of it again if we can just be a little more um, cluey how to escape. And then not to get what one wants. And sometimes it's added to get what one doesn't want. Now, those two, of course, are our main objects of um, dislike and uh, unsatisfactoriness. But then, the next sentence is, in short, the five aggregates affected by clinging are suffering. Now, the five aggregates affected by clinging, the pancha upadana kandas in Pali. Pancha is five, upadana is clinging, and kandas are the aggregates. So, that's why this is translated so somewhat um, laboriously, five aggregates affected by clinging are suffering. Now, this is an, a very important insight meditation method, and that's what we really have to go into in detail. And the, uh, the, the uh, discourse does go into it in detail, and including also the details of the elements. Now, First, we'll have to have a look what this actually means. The five aggregates of clinging. The five aggregates of clinging are what we consist of, according to the Buddha's explanation. And the first one is the body. Well, he, he actually says that, but I'll, I'll, I'll just explain it now and then read it. The first one is the body. It's quite simple to see. I mean, there's one bit of us that's a body. And then the other four are the mind. The four parts of mind. So I'll just read that what he says and I'll go on explaining it. And what are the five aggregates affected by clinging? The form aggregate, the feeling, the perception, the mental formation, and the sense consciousness. Now, body is form. We consist of two things. In Pali, Nama, Rupa. Rupa is form. Everything that is, has a form that can be touched falls under that uh, heading of Rupa. Now, as far as we're concerned, it's this body here. It's an important aspect. It gives us a lot to do. It gives us a lot of... Um, Problems, but it also gives a lot of uh, pleasures. So it has a, a lot of imp a great importance in our lives, and we call it me and mine. And then we have the four parts of the mind. And the four parts of the mind, although they are always listed in a different way, I'll now say them the way they actually happen. The sense consciousness, the feeling, the perception, the mental formation. Now, sense consciousness. We've got five senses. We also have thinking. But because that makes it more complicated, the sixth one, I'll just stick to the five at the moment. Huh? Seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling. Now, in order to see this process, very simple. We have to just become aware of the an unpleasant feeling in the sitting position. Now, how did this unpleasant feeling arise? Mm. It arose because of touch contact. Let's say the feet are on top of each other, or the the knees is on the on the pillow, and uh, or that has it's touching the other part of the leg, there's a touch contact. And because of this touch contact, because it's been held for a longer period, there is an unpleasant feeling. Now that unpleasant feeling, then comes the perception and says pain. And then comes the mental formation, which is the reaction, which says, I don't like it. But before we have actually noticed any of that, we have already moved. 
we didn't even know this was going on. It just moved. Why? Because we have an instinctive, impulsive dislike of anything that is an unpleasant feeling. And as long as we have this dislike, which is natural, we will remain quite natural. And we will not be able to transcend our naturalness. And our naturalness is always connected to Dukkha. It just can't be any other way. So what we have to do is the first thing, and I'm not by any means suggesting that one cannot move. What I'm suggesting is this. In order to gain insight into what it means to be a human being, and after all, that's exactly what we are, and therefore we need to gain insight into that, is to become aware how we react in a pre-programmed way over and over again. In other words, we're getting the same printout time after time. And if we don't read it and then make a change in it and don't react in the same way, it's just going to continue life after life after life, or if you wish, day after day after day, year after year after year. Sense contact. Now, the easiest to actually notice is this touch contact. It's very simple because it happens in meditation. Before moving, there is this urge to move. Before doing that, holding oneself back, and becoming aware of that process, of that progression. In that moment of holding oneself back, noticing, aha, there's a touch contact, there's an unpleasant feeling. My mind says painful or unpleasant or whatever it says. And therefore, I'm now reacting with trying to get away from it. And maybe the mind is even making a justification um, story out of it which says it's very bad for the blood circulation or um, uh, at my age I can't sit like that or if I, if I practice longer I will be or whatever it may be any story will do it doesn't matter what it is you know any story that the mind can think up but the main item is the dislike which coerces one into escaping now, to notice this is a very important point because it will show one what one is always doing. It doesn't just happen in this sitting position. One is doing it all the time. Whatever is unpleasant, we like to get away from it. Which by, by no means means that we have to look for that which is unpleasant. Nothing like that. But what we eventually may be able to learn, and a lot of the suttas have already um, touched upon that is that unpleasant feelings exist pleasant feelings exist they are all impermanent each one of them and none of them are ours they just are but this is the end result of this practice the beginning is knowing the process sense contact feeling perception reaction over and over now, we make karma with our reaction. That's why the sankara, which is that is Pali word for the mental formation, is also translated as karma formation. Now, obviously, we're making mildly bad karma by disliking the unpleasant feeling and moving. But we're definitely making bad karma because any dislike, as mild as it may be, always makes bad karma. There's no... No getting out of that. And the more often we make it, the less of purity there is within us. This whole pathway is a path of purification. And the purification is on many levels. This is just one level of it. And while it is not um, recommended to sit with a very painful feeling and uh, grit one's teeth, and uh, dislike it heartily and just hope that the hour will be over, that's just as bad because it is also a negative reaction. What is essential 
is to realize what is actually happening and give it a, a chance, give the mind a chance to disregard the unpleasant feeling by regarding something else. In other words, take the mind of the unpleasant feeling, not reacting in any manner or form, and putting it onto the breath or the meditation subject again. Now, obviously, that is at times that is impossible, but at least to know what one is doing. We are always reacting in that way, every single day, all the time, and we never know that we're doing it. But here, we can at least know that we're doing it, that we're still not going to be able to completely disregard unpleasant feeling is quite all right. Nobody expects a perfection, but what can be expected of oneself is awareness. Meditation is for awareness. So if there is this awareness of sense contact, feeling, perception, reaction, we have at least learned how a human being functions namely we, how we function, and how we function function again and again and again. And one day, the mind is going to be tired of it. It's boring, because it is so uninteresting to always react in the same way that one day the mind is going to say, all right, I'm not going to do it the same way, I'll do it differently this time. And then we have a chance. Until we see what is happening, and get tired of it and do something else, we are in that round of um, this uh, round of worldliness which doesn't have anywhere an escape. We think we can escape by moving. Moving either in the sitting position or moving to a different country or moving from the city to the country, from the country to the city, or moving from a one job to another job, we, we try to move, or we try to move to the the other end of this uh, globe. But the round of rebirth is round, and that this globe of ours is round too. So where we're we going to move to, it's all going to go in a circle. We're always coming back to the same thing. The only escape there is is by non-reaction. There is no other. And this impulsive and instinctive escape that we are always searching for and that we are usually using never has any result. It's a dead end. But we have to see it ourselves. So this is what we can learn about our four parts of the mind to start out with. It's very simple. Everyone can notice that in the meditation. But one can also notice it during the day. If anything happens that is uh, uh, unpleasant, one has a reaction. One dislikes it. Anything happening in the mind. Now, thinking is also con- considered in the Buddhist terminology a sense contact. So from thinking comes feeling. From feeling comes a perception, namely an explanation of the mind, what it is. And then comes the reaction. Now you can see with that what a circular movement that is. There's no escape anywhere. Thinking, feeling, perception, reaction. Thinking, feeling, perception, reaction. It's going around and around and around because the reaction is already the thinking again. The reaction is the the mental formation, the sankhara, which is then followed by feeling, by perception, and again by the reaction, and again, it just goes round and round and round. And having noticed that, one usually stops being surprised at the enormous um, absurdities that arise in human mind. It just goes in a circular movement. And sometimes when the thought processes start out being negative, they get more and more negative because there is 
the addition of the next one and the next one and the next one. So one has to be really careful about that. Now, so these are called the aggregates. In Pali, Kandas, in Sanskrit, Skandas, with an S in front, and in English they're translated as aggregates. None of these three words mean anything to us, do they? I mean, the word aggregate means nothing either. But what it, the reason it's chosen, that word, is because an aggregate is something that's put together. They're heaps. Now, we have the usual perception of a um, sense contact or a feeling or a thought as being one whole. But when mindfulness becomes established, particularly in meditation, we can notice quite clearly and not, uh, not very difficult to notice that the whole thing that happens, for instance, in thought is a whole bunch of impulses which bunch together have a, our thought then and then it falls apart again and then it comes back together again. Now, the first explanation here in this sutta is about the form element. So we'll go along with that because this is the way it's usually explained. First we see here about the form element and then it goes on with other things. And the form element of the body is explained in ref with reference to the, uh, sorry, the form aggregate, is explained with reference to the elements. Now I explained them yesterday, but it's very important to have it again because memory being what it is, very short-lived and uh, also usually not quite correct, it's um, of importance to have that explanation again and also more, maybe even more detailed. These are meditation methods. So it starts out as, and what is the form aggregate affected by clinging? It is the four great primary elements and any form derived from them. Before I go on with it, I have one other thing that needs to be said. They are called affected by clinging, upadana, clinging, or for the the aggregate of clinging or the five clinging aggregates um, because we think it's mine and this is where the whole problem comes from any problem anybody's ever had has now or will have comes from the fact that we think body feeling uh, body sense consciousness feeling perception and me- Mental formations are mine. This is the basic problem. There is no other. Now, obviously, anybody who hasn't practiced very long and hasn't heard this before says, well, who else, who else should they belong to? Well, they don't belong to anybody. But that has to come about through continual practice and looking in that direction in order to actually find out. If we don't look in that direction, we'll never find out. We have to deliberately look. If the meditation hasn't come to a good concentration yet, it's also difficult. But this kind of thing can bring concentration if there isn't any yet, or if there's very little concentration. Because insight brings concentration and concentration brings insight. It works both ways. So insight is, is, is an indispensable practice uh, and it also helps on the concentration part. Because these things are mine, considered to be mine, or even considered to be me, every problem in the world arises. There is no other cause. That's it. Now, that we eventually see that it isn't me comes about from objective observation. 
which is mindfulness. The longer we, as long as we, <laughs> as long as we observe it with subjectivity, we don't know what it is. We we think it is something that has arisen from outside causes. We get angry because somebody said something. Well, I mean that's the way the world lives. That doesn't have any part of spiritual practice. But when we eventually have an understanding that these things are there and arise and cease, then objectivity can come into it. And when objectivity comes into it, then we have a chance to see that none of that has any claim on on us as being owned. None of it. And eventually we can give it up. Well, that's a pathway, so let's see how to do it. Huh? What are the four great primary elements? This is, by the way, Sariputta talking. Sariputta was the Buddha's right-hand disciple, and the Buddha said he was as wise as himself. They are the earth, the water, the fire, and the air elements. Now, you heard me explain this yesterday, but it is very important now to also hear what, they, what was said about it in more detail. What is the earth element? The earth element can be either in oneself or external. What is in oneself? Whatever in oneself, belonging to oneself, is solid, solidified, and clung to. Solidity, and then clung to, to oneself and oneself. That is to say, and now the 32 parts of the body are being enumerated. They are also a chant so that one can learn them by heart. But... Um, As you know, I have, um, uh, only some of you I have told you, so I'll tell it now. I'll read it out first. Head of the hair, head of the bo uh, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin, flesh, sinews, bones, bone marrow, kidneys, heart, liver, midriff, spleen, light. Huh? What's that? What's after spleen? I don't know it by heart anymore. I haven't chanted in a long time. Heart, liver, middle, spleen, gallbladder or something. I think it's a gallbladder. Bowels, entrails, gorge, dung, or whatever else is in oneself, belonging to oneself, that is solid, solidified, and clung to, that is called earth element in oneself. Now, obviously, This is called the 32 parts of the body, but I don't think 32 have been mentioned here. In other, in other um, uh, suttas, 32 are mentioned. And uh, funnily enough, it's usually 31. It's called 32 parts of the body, but it's always 31. And the one that is only mentioned very, very rarely is the brain. It's usually left out, and then, then we come down to 31. And the chant only has 31 and still calls the 32 parts of the body. Um, now, it's not necessary to learn this by heart in order to use that as an inside meditation method. I would like you to do this. I have mentioned it to a few of you, but not to everybody. It's a very useful thing to imagine you have a zipper in front of your body, in front of your skin, And you open up the zipper, very simple, and you take out piece by piece. You can start the zipper right there and get it all the way down. And then take out piece by piece. And if you can, in meditation, have a feeling how it feels, the piece, and also what it looks like. And then nicely and tidily put it in front of you until you've got the whole lot lying in front of you. And after you've done that, then take out the skeleton, bone by bone, and put a nice little heap next to all these bits and pieces you've got lying out there. And then, having done all that, of course, the skin sh uh, shrinks and shrivels, and so you sit there shriveled and shrunken, and then you can have a look and see, where am I in all this? 
And obviously, nobody really would like to be liver, gallbladder, heart, dung, uh, bowels, uh, blood, uh, uh, or any of those rather gooey uh, bits and pieces which one really doesn't usually have a chance to touch or see except maybe in the anatomy lessons and one immediately says to oneself well I'm not any of that so okay then having said that and you take the bones put them back in and put every piece nicely back in doesn't matter whether you find the right spot it doesn't, it's not that important and then you zip it all up again and of course then it's me again so it's very helpful to see the absurdity of all that where is me and all those bits and pieces you can start by taking the brain out you can take the eyes out you can take anything out and lay it all nicely there and if you feel you don't want to do that it's even more important to do it because that means exaggerated infatuation with one's own body this is what this is meant to do Uh, the Buddha said we are all infatuated with this body whether it's beautiful or not we are all are and to come to a middle path to a balance we need to see what it really consists of and when we see what it consists of get all the bits and pieces off every bit of it whatever you can think of if you see that some of this infatuation will definitely disappear and there will be more of an even-mindedness towards the body. As you know, equanimity is one of the seven factors of enlightenment, even-mindedness. Now, if you have a dislike for, uh, against doing this particular thing, you can be sure that it is an exaggerated infatuation with the body and it's extremely important to do it. And it's quite, quite funny, actually, to do it it's not uh, uh, hilarious but it's, uh, it certainly brings to mind all the absurd ideas we have about ourselves so this is the 32 parts of the body inside meditation method which can be done in different ways but this is a good way to do it the way I've just explained it and that's earth element all of those bits and pieces are solid now when you get to the blood that's not earth element if you get to the urine that's not but the rest is all earth element particularly the bones and the liver and the heart and all the rest of it it's all earth element kidneys, gallbladder uh, intestines anything you find so that's all the earth element so that's another thing to uh, remember at the time this is all earth element of course it has solidity and it is um, the reason it is called that we look at earth element in ourselves is because we are considering this me we're clinging to it if we want to find out whether we are clinging to it just notice that when you get a scratch on it what you do about it I mean you're certainly going to put something on it and you don't like to have a scratch you know if the insects bite put something on it so that it doesn't, doesn't uh, itch so much or if somebody should um, threaten this body imagine what, what you would do in that thing now the earth element in oneself and external earth element are simply earth element and that should be seen as it actually is with right understanding that this is not mine this is not I this is not myself when one sees with right understanding as it actually is one becomes dispassionate towards the earth element and the lust for the earth element fades out of the mind so this practice I've just explained is designed towards giving one this understanding that surely there is nobody sitting in all this earth element that's an idea in the mind to say that all these 
bits and pieces put together are me. Particularly nowadays where we can have spare parts put in. Now, for instance, let's just think a moment that somebody um, is going to give you a kidney. I mean, it's possible nowadays to have a kidney put in if one, both kidneys are not working. So first, that kidney is definitely going to sit in a glass with formaldehyde. Well, certainly not me. It's just sitting there. But then the surgeon comes and can stick it in. Well, then, of course, it's, you know, it's my kidney. It's me. And yet, it's just a spare part being put in. Now, in the Buddha's time, that wasn't possible to put in spare parts. Nowadays, it is. So, it is a, another um, help to realize that we have the wrong idea about ourselves. The reason that we should get the right idea is in order to get rid of dukkha. The self is an illusion anyway. We're not going to get rid of self. We're just going to get rid of an illusion. It's a total illusion. And because it's an illusion, that's why it's such a problem. If it was real, it wouldn't be such a problem. But because it's an illusion and has to be reinforced all the time, all the time we need an ego reinforcement and ego support. And some people need lots of ego support because they don't like themselves. If, they, if somebody doesn't like him or herself, she has to have about ten times as much ego support as those who at least like themselves. I mean, they still need ego support, but not so much, because at least they can support themselves a bit better. But those people who, have, who can't expand themselves, it's just, you know, very difficult. Anyway, so the um, when one sees as it actually is, that this can't be me. I mean, all these bits and pieces. Why am I calling this me? It must be an idea I've got in my head. And everybody else is having the same idea, so it's got a lot of support. And then one may be able to get a little more dispassionate towards this earth element, this solid part, all these solid parts which we can look at. Now, everybody's got enough imagination to take out all these bits and pieces and put them in front and have a look and see that they're all solid and that they're all earth element and that none of it says, look at me, I'm certainly me. None of them say that. And all of them put together don't say it. So who says it? Must be somebody saying this, so it's an idea. Now we'll get to this idea business later, but first it's the body that has to be looked at properly. So we become more dispassionate towards the earth element and the lust for the earth element fades out of the mind. Now the lust for the earth element as of course uh, one of it is the, uh, the um, uh, sexual desire which is the strongest of, of all our sensual desires is sexual desire and of course it's, it's lust. And if we see ourselves as all these bits and pieces, well, obviously we can infer from that that everybody has the same bits and pieces, and I mean, who's going to go crazy over a liver or a kidney? It's, but uh, one shouldn't take other people apart, always oneself. So, a bit of this lust, now that's not only the sexual desire, that's one part of it, but the other part of it is also the lust for this body, this uh, uh, craving to keep it nice, to make it nice, to have it look in a certain way, to have it uh, uh, thin or thick or, or big or small or um, different color hair or different color this or, or um, nice thing around uh, so that it looks better or anything. The lust for this particular body which is supposed to be me that also becomes a, a little more dispassionate, a little less uh, concerned. It doesn't mean that one neglects it. Uh, that would be also foolishness because that makes it even worse. I mean, when you neglect it completely, then there's aches and pains and then you need help from others. That's also useless. But it's a middle path. One way is this infatuation and the other extreme would be this neglect. 
which the Buddha totally um, negated. He tried that. He tried asceticism and he found that that didn't work either. So it has to be the middle path. And so there's a little less um, a passion towards this, um, this element. And if one sees this thing as earth element, one sees it rightly and uh, one doesn't feel so, um, um, it doesn't feel so personal. Now, now comes something about the external earth element, which is also interesting. Now, there are occasions when the external earth element is disturbed and the external earth element vanishes. For even this external earth element, great as it is, is describable as impermanent, subject to destruction, subject to disappearance, subject to change. So what of this body, which is clung to by craving and lasts but a while, there can be no truth in that is I or mine or I am. Now the earth element, which is disturbed, we could see, for instance, of an earthquake. Earth element is the earth outside. That's what's being talked about. The earth element as the earth outside. Well, earthquake. A huge earthquake and the earth disappears into a huge hole. Or um, at the, at the uh, shores of the ocean, very often there are such disturbances that the uh, beaches disappear. We had such a thing happen at the Gold Coast and they had to we refurbish all the big houses it built on the on the sand there. There are many occasions when earth disappears and is disturbed and vanishes. There's that subject to destruction, subject to disappearance, it is therefore also impermanent. So if that's so impermanent and subject to change, so what about this thing here? Small I mean it's a puny little earth element that each one of us carries around and uh, it's actually quite a lot of dukkha con- connected with it also in fact there's very often a lot of dukkha connected with it some people are luckier already better karma maybe with their body not so much problems but most people have some problem with the body and have to you know be careful with it that the problem doesn't get out of hand but the whole earth can vanish. Whole cities can vanish. San Francisco disappeared in the big earthquake. And we are thinking of this one as me and mine and are not concerned with the fact that it's so impermanent and can vanish any time. Let just a heavy brick fall down from a roof and it's already finished. So then, having seen this earth element as it actually is, if others abuse and scold, curse and threaten a person, he understands this painful feeling born of ear contact has arisen in me. It is dependent, not independent. Dependent on what? Dependent on contact. Then he sees that contact is impermanent, feeling is impermanent, perception is impermanent, mental formations are impermanent, sense consciousness is impermanent. And his mind, which has already made an element, has already made an element constituent of the form aggregate. Its objective support enters into that new objective support now contemplated and acquires confidence, steadiness and decision. Hmm. Now, we have come away from the earth element. The earth element, which I have already told you, I'd like to go back to that for a moment. Um, To consider that in the meditation, seeing the solidity, the touch contact, which is all earth element, and then also referring to 
all the earth element that you can think of outside of yourself, which is just the floor is earth element, the houses, the trees are the earth itself. And at the same, by the same token, also use this meditation method of seeing all your bits and pieces. And as the more graphically you can conjure them up, the more concentration will arise from that. There are occasions when from this particular meditation method, when it's done very, very uh, exactly, complete concentration arises which actually leads into the jhanas. That is possible also. At least it leads to insight. This is what, it, uh, what its purpose is. It's an insight method. Now, the um, body as par- uh, with all these parts and as earth element is the, the first of our aggregates and the earth element is the first of those four elements and those two go together. Now, this time what I've Pleasant or neutral. That's all it that's all you get. I'm wondering how, how you get that feeling before there's been any perception of what it is. Yeah, that's a constant problem, that sort of thing. We went through that Okay, let's make it simple for ourselves. Now you couldn't possibly say it's pain before you didn't have the unpleasant feeling. So you must have the unpleasant feeling first, then the perception says pain, and then the mind says this is ridiculous, I'm going to bring myself a chair. Right? I mean, it just can't work any other way. Okay, it's really easy with that. Now, because all of this works exactly the same, now when you see something, you see a rose, right? The eye can only see the color and the shape. But that gives a pleasant feeling because it's a pleasant color and a pleasant shape. And then the perception says rose. And then the mind says, I'm going to plant it. But it really, it's really that way. So, so what arises from sense contact, which is sense consciousness followed by feeling. Now, this feeling is not emotion, is it? So it's different. The feelings that can only be three: pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. But it's nothing to do with emotion as such. So it's totally different emotion. Is that right? It is not yet an emotion. It's going to become one. You can be sure of that. The unpleasant feeling is going to become a disliking emotion. And the pleasant feeling is going to be a grasping emotion. But it isn't yet, no. And it is so quick only. Because then immediately the mind perceives and reacts and then you have your emotion. a feeling and you can't change the feeling. Does it have to produce a feeling? And if it does produce a feeling, can we change the feeling to that particular consciousness? Can we change? The last bit I didn't understand. Can we change the feeling? For example, if you think that I see a rose and it gives me a pleasant feeling. Now, does it have to give the feeling? Now, if it does, is it possible for me to change the feeling? For example, change the pleasantness Right, okay. I understand what you're saying. And no, it doesn't have to produce a feeling if you just see the color and the shape and stay with that. But that takes such enormous mindfulness that 
it is a matter for an enlightened one to be able to do that it is for anyone else it is out of the question and even for the non-returner it is an would be a very hard thing to do only the arahant can do it it so it is possible it's quite possible now with the sound it's a little easier if you let the sound <coughs> be the vibration and not anything else you may be able to have no feeling with the sight it's more difficult but actually it's also a vibration because it's just the light vibration you see between light and dark that's how we differentiate but if you can do that it would uh, require enormous mindfulness now the feeling that arises is dependent upon the feeler the one who feels because some people might not get any kind of feeling out of the color and shape of a rose be totally neutral they might be totally insensitive to that sort of thing so it is the, the, the kind of feeling that arises is dependent upon the person who feels it's not everybody that's going to get a pleasant feeling at the same with the same sense consciousness whether you can change that on purpose no not that but what you can change is the emotional reaction by recognizing the fact that you have now got a pleasant feeling which you are going uh, which you are liable to react to in a sense of wanting so you may be able and you, because of the rose at that time you can think of the fact that the rose also has uh, thorns or that it's totally impermanent and thereby um, prevent your wanting to have it Well, with a rose of course it's not such a strong uh, wanting but anyway you may be want to have it so by recognizing the fact that there is the unlovely and the lovely you prevent yourself from wanting to have it but you can't change the initial feeling uh, in some cases maybe you can change you can't change the initial feeling Someone who has neutral feeling to a rose never can get... Oh, that one. That one he can by, by yeah, well, shape no. and color. By, no. by becoming more aware, if he wants to, if that person wants to become more aware of this kind of shape and color, certainly he will be able to get out of the neutrality. But it's um, quite a difficult thing to do it's difficult so um, that's possible but it's very very unlikely that anybody will change from the pleasant feeling to the unpleasant feeling by seeing that unless the person has depression now if you have a depression and you see the same rose the same color and shape you may get a very unpleasant feeling you see because your, your whole mind state is so down that it doesn't matter what you see it's all going to be unpleasant it doesn't matter what you hear it's all going to be unpleasant so it is of course far more uh, sensible to have a mind state where you have the pleasant feelings and then be able to stop yourself from lusting after that because we lust after the pleasant feelings by seeing that that too is impermanent and does that and has other aspects to it. Is that clear, Song? And being able to stop before feeling is very, very difficult. But to stop after feeling is not so difficult, and that is our pathway out, before wanting or before rejecting, and that's sufficient, sufficient for enlightenment. Mm. That's, that's not producing a feeling it's a little easier yes. with the sight is more difficult with the sound it's not so difficult but uh, again for someone who hasn't practiced properly it's impossible 
but for someone with practice it's, it's, it's possible with taste it's almost impossible it either tastes good or bad <laughs> or neutral <laughs> well then it changes to bad again <laughs> Bare awareness is when you, when the sound is just sound, and when the when the shape and color is just sight. That's bare awareness. Um, when the feeling has already arisen and you have come to the and the perception is there, this is a rose and there's a nice feeling about it. The uh, before reacting, that is seeing the unlovely and the lovely, the lovely and the unlovely. In other words, getting to equanimity. But their awareness is that when there's only sight or only sound. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy. Yes, yes. Uh, with the sound, not so difficult. Sound is possible. With taste and sight, very, very difficult. We can all try, please. In, well, that is the thing. In meditation, we don't have sight objects, but we have sound objects. Or thought objects, or sort of mental images, which is the light side of Yes, but you drop those immediately. Yes. Uh, and in meditation, you the touch sensation, for instance, um, you don't have to um, react, but you will be noticing that it's could you well, if you're very concentrated, you don't know that that is unpleasant. You don't you don't know it at all. So in the concentration, it is uh, possible. Outside in everyday life, it's very very difficult, but it can be practiced, and uh, it's very useful to practice because if we don't practice it here and there. It will not be um, a to- total practice. But sound in meditation is not so difficult because it is a vibration and it goes through. And uh, sight, yes, well, sight, you mean like mental mental well, images. For example, if, if the, the, the object of, say, breath becomes visual in your concentrated state, mm. you're, you're aware only of the, the breath. Yes, and don't have a feeling about mm. it. But visual, that's not really a sight object. That's a mental object. Yes, that's, that's a thought. Yes. That's a thought. Well, in the first three, that's still possible to have thought. Yes. Yes, well... I'm just really trying to get at what fair, fair awareness really is. Well, the easiest is, is sound. You don't know what the sound is at all, but you've heard the sound. The mind has not said it's an airplane. Nothing. And there's no feeling. It's the easiest. With the touch contact, if you can feel the touch contact, you probably feel it's unpleasant. Because otherwise you don't feel it at all. You don't feel the touch contact because it's gone. So the sound is easier it's the easiest. Now the sight, you don't really have a sight object. Mental object, yes. Uh, the thought, well, the thought without feeling, yes, that's possible. Certainly. That's certainly possible. There's no, no reaction to the, not, no feeling arising from the thought. It's just thought and then finished. That's possible too, yes. But as we do this, that also, now, if we do the meditation and become aware of what we're doing there, that also brings us the understanding of what this human being is made up of. And that's absolutely essential. To take ourselves apart into these bits and pieces, and as we do, eventually, the me has absolutely no foothold anymore. Because where can it sit? Can it sit in the... In the bit of in the kidneys or in the gallbladder or can it sit in the sound object or what can it sit in? It has no it hasn't got any foothold at all. 
And that is then when one realizes that one has been living in a real illusion all the time. It doesn't mean one is rid of it, but one knows it anyway. All right?